Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And today I want to start a new series called Release of the Spirit. And we're going to be talking about how God has made us to be temples of the Holy Spirit, the living God. And he wants the life of the Holy Spirit to flow out from our Holy of Holies to the world. And when we were born again, we received a new spirit. And also the Holy Spirit came to dwell in us. Ezekiel 36 actually prophesied that. He said, I will put a new spirit within you and I will put my spirit within you. And so we became a new creation, a new man in Christ Jesus. And the old man has passed away, the Bible says, and all things have become new and all things in the spirit are of God. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, a brand new creature. Uh, Old things are passed away. That's the old spirit man. And it says, behold, all things have become new. Not our mind, not our body, but our spirit become new. Now, all things are of God. All things in in our spirit is of God. And Paul tells us in Romans, Ephesians, and Colossians that our spirit has undergone a death and resurrection in Christ. When we trusted in Christ, we were put into Christ, baptized into Christ, and through being united to Christ, our spirit was united in his death, burial, and resurrection so that our old man, our old spirit, was crucified with Christ, was buried with Christ, and now we're risen with Christ as a new man, a new creation. Praise God. And that's a real thing. We don't just have a new relationship with God. We are made new on the inside. A new spirit man has taken the place of our old man. And it consists of the resurrection life of Christ, which has already conquered sin and death and risen far above all principalities and powers and is seated at the God, God's right hand in that place of authority. And so the life, the victory, the wisdom of Christ is in our spirit and the Holy Spirit lives in our spirit. But God's will for us now is not just that we're born again and that we have God's life and the Holy Spirit inside us, but God's will is that this life should be released, fully released in us and through us. As it says in Philippians 2, work out your own salvation. In other words, you you possess salvation in your spirit. Your spirit is already saved. But we are to work it out with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. His good pleasure is already established in our spirit. The nature of Christ is in our spirit. But we are to work out and produce that in our lives. And so God wants us to be fully functioning temples of the living God. And we're going to talk about what that means because the temple concept is something that is very deep in in man's understanding and because God taught it to man from Adam. Uh, And and, and so the idea of temple, a temple of God is in every culture although it's become corrupted among different, in different ways and as man turned to the worship of other gods, everyone has this concept of a temple. You see, God's temple in heaven is the place where his presence and glory dwells in a very special way. At the center is the Holy of Holies, where God sits on his throne. You might say the Holy of Holies is God's throne room and, and it's guarded by the cherubim. 
and earthly temples were copies of this heavenly temple, earthly houses of God, where God's presence dwelt in a special way, and where, God, where man could approach God through offerings and sacrifices, and, and could meet with God at that temple. And God dwelt there on his throne in the Holy of Holies, uh, and in God's temple, the Ark of the Covenant would be in the Holy of Holies. That was the earthly throne of God, and God's glory would, would dwell above the Ark, sitting, as it were, on his throne. And uh, it would consist of the golden mercy seat, and again, with the golden cherubim covering the throne. And so it's a copy of the heavenly temple. When man's uh, worship became corrupted into worshipping other gods, they still had this deep idea of the temple which God had given the human race. So when people wanted to come and meet their God, as it were, or come and make offerings, they would come to the temple where the God lived, uh, or so they thought. And, and an idol of that God would be established in the holy place representing that God. And the, of, the, it was corrupted by man, but the fact that this is a universal concept shows that the original concept is from God, just like blood sacrifices. And so God was actually preparing man and teaching man to prepare him for what he was going to do through the coming of the Messiah. Now God's first temple was in the Garden of Eden. It was the Garden of Eden, which was on high ground. We, we, know, we see that temples are usually on high ground. We know that because of the river that flowed out from Edom to water the whole earth. In fact, four rivers flowed out. So they, they came from an underground reservoir and then the mighty rivers would come down, and so it, that Eden would have had to be on high ground, as it were, on, on top of a, a, a mountain. And the tree of life was in the center of the garden. That was in the Holy of Holies. Let's read that in Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he'd formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that's pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the, in, of the garden, in the midst of the garden, in the Holy of Holies. And the tree of knowledge of good and evil also, but that was in the holy place, uh, which corresponds to the soul of man. Now a river went out of Eden. Now the idea of a river, the river of life, flowing out of the temple is, is one of the deep ideas of what a temple is. The river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four riverheads. The first was Pishon, which skirts the whole land of Havilah, where there's gold, and the gold is good, and Bedelium and the onyx stone are there, and the name of the second river was Gihon, uh, going around the whole land of Cush, and the name of the third, Hidekel, it's the one that goes towards the east of Assyria and the fourth river, Euphrates. So these rivers wouldn't just water the garden, but they would now water the whole earth. And so that's one idea of the original temple, is that the life, the river, would flow out. And so Eden was on high ground, and these rivers would kind of cascade out of Eden. I, I imagine waterfalls taking place as those r powerful rivers flowed out. And so the river of God flowing out of the Holy of Holies is a vital part of God's image for the temple. It's important for us to understand that because we're going to see how it applies to us because we, God has made us temples of the living God. 
We see this same thing in God's heavenly temple in Revelation 22.1. It says, He showed me a pure river of the water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And so, when man sinned, the cherubim which guarded the tree of life in the Holy of Holies was, were manifested to stop Adam coming close. We see that in Genesis 3. It says, Now lest he, Adam, this is God speaking, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, therefore the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim on, on the, the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. And so you see that out, the, the cherubim now are guarding the Holy of Holies. And from that point, man could only approach God on the basis of blood sacrifice. And they would regularly bring sacrifices to the place of sacrifice which was just outside the garden, the gate of the holy place of the garden, which was equivalent to the holy, holy court, the, sorry, the outer court. And we read that in Genesis 4, verse 3 and 4. It says, in the process of time, and that actually means at the end of days. In other words, there would be at the end of a cycle of time, could be every month or year, uh, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of the flock. So man was, uh, would come to that place at the Garden of Eden in the outer court and make these sacrifices. And, and so we have the pattern again of the temple. And God then told Israel to make the tabernacle after the heavenly pattern with three parts, the Holy of Holies, and that's where the Ark of the Covenant was, the holy place, and then the outer court where the sacrifices were offered. And the glory of God was often manifested, shining out from the Holy of Holies. And then God told them to, to make the Temple of Solomon. That's the first temple after the same pattern but on a bigger scale and more permanent as a building. And again the glory of God was, was revealed in that temple and it was called the light of the nations. And all this through the pattern here God was actually revealing things about his plan of redemption. And then this temple was destroyed by the Babylonians but when they returned to the land it was rebuilt again by Zerubbabel and later it was enlarged and beautified by King Herod and, and, that, and that temple then stood in the time of Jesus, and that's called the Second Temple. But it was destroyed again in uh, AD 70 by the Romans. And so for most of the church age, there hasn't been a, as it were, a temple of God that's made of stones. Uh, because God actually replaced it by a new and a better temple, and, and that's the one that we're going to be talking about. See, but God hasn't actually finished with temple buildings yet because there will be a third temple in the tribulation which the two witnesses will use as their base of operation uh, before the Antichrist desecrates it by making it a temple to himself and putting up an idol in the holy place, the abomination of desolation. Uh, and, and then there will also be a fourth temple in the millennium. Um, which is described in great detail in Ezekiel 40 to 47. And all these descriptions of temples actually teach us about God's plan of redemption and what he wants to do in, for us as temples of the living God. 
Again, the Ezekiel temple has rivers of, uh, rivers of life flowing out of it. And this is a picture of God's ultimate dream, which is the ultimate temple is man himself, redeemed man, and out of whom God wants rivers of living water, to, the Spirit, to flow uh, to a thirsty world. And we can read about that in, in Ezekiel 47. He says that he, he was taken to the door of the temple and there was water flowing out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. And, and the water flowed from under the right side of the temple. And uh, as he goes out, he sees this river that's flowing out. He goes out a thousand cubits and the water came up to his ankles. And then another thousand cubits, the water came up to his knees. And then another thousand uh, cubits, it came up to his waist. And again, another thousand cubits. And it was a river, he says, I could not cross, for the water was too deep in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. So we see this mighty river. And in the uh, descriptions of this temple, it's on a high mountain. The Mount of the Lord is the highest mountain. And so this river would cascade down this, this mountainside in waterfalls and then flow out to the Dead Sea. And it says, wherever this river flowed, it brought things to life. And uh, it even brings the Dead Sea to life and that they'll go fishing in the Dead Sea. And so it says, wherever, that every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go, will live. And there will be a great multitude of fish because these waters, they will be healed. And all kinds of trees will, be, uh, will grow by the bank of the river and their fruit will not fail. And so this is a life-giving river. And it says, even the leaves are for medicine. And so that's what the picture of the river of life that is to flow out of us if we are a temple of the Holy Spirit, bringing life, bringing healing, bringing blessing. And so all these temples were pictures of God's ultimate temple, which is man. You see, God's ultimate purpose for us is that we would be his temple, that God would dwell with man and in man, in union, in fellowship, and for man to carry the presence and glory of God and for God's Spirit to flow through man as rivers of life. And, and Jesus made this a reality through his death and resurrection. Because when he died, the veil of the old temple was torn in two. And that signified that God had made the way, opened up a new way into his presence. And, and that now he was bringing a new temple into being uh, through his blood. And uh, that would supersede the old temple. And so after Christ's death and resurrection, in the very same place of the old temple, God brought a new temple in and anointed it. And we see that, of course, in Acts 2. It says, in, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in, with one accord in one place. What was that one place? Where would Jews go on the day of Pentecost? It was the Temple Mount. And so they were there on the Temple Mount. And that's why thousands were saved. It couldn't have been what's known as the upper room. It, it, it was the Temple Mount. And so in this very same place, suddenly God now anoints a new temple consisting of the believers of all kinds. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. The, the temple was the house of God. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. One sat upon each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
And so now the church now becomes God's temple, filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit fills this temple and flows out, and that was evidenced by the speaking in tongues. And Psalm 118, verse 22, predicts this transition to the, this building of a new temple of God through Messiah's death and resurrection. It says, the stone which the builders rejected, and that's the Messiah being rejected and killed, has become the chief cornerstone. In other words, he, he, although he's rejected in his resurrection, he becomes the cornerstone of a new temple. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord's made, and we, we shall be glad in it. So Ephesians 2, it says, Christ himself is the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building, the whole temple, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom also you are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So individually we're temples, but when we're joined together as living stones, we make one big temple uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know, we're meant to know this, that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit and that the Spirit dwells in you. 1 Corinthians 6 says, he who's joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. And it says that do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own for you were brought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is God's. 1 Corinthians 6, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I'll be their God and they will be my people. This is God's dream, that he would have a temple to live in and manifest himself through and, and, and be a flow through. Man, you see, is the ultimate temple of God. All the other buildings are just pictures of God's ultimate dream to have man as the temple of God. And they, they, those temples were temporary teaching tools to reveal God's ultimate purpose for man. We are destined, destined to be God's eternal temple where he will indwell man forever and filling us with his power and glory, uh, which is gonna shine out of us, praise God. So in the eternal state, there'll be no temple buildings because we will be his temple. And this eternal state is described in Revelation 21 and 22. Let's pick a few verses here. Uh, Revelation 21, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold the tabernacle, you see, tabernacle, the dwelling of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Verse 22 says, But I saw no temple in, in the New Jerusalem, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Now the whole city, you see, is filled with God's presence and glory. Uh, so there's no need for a special place of worship, no need for temple buildings, because God's ultimate temple is now in place. And so all things are perfect in the eternal state. And we are in that verse because a temple consists of two elements. First, the temple itself is the dwelling place of God. And secondly, God himself, of course, who dwells in that temple, whose glory fills that temple. So the ultimate temple is described here in verse 22, first of all, as the Lamb. That's Christ. And it's particularly Christ in his humanity. 
because it's his humanity that shed his blood was the Lamb of God. And if we are in Christ, we are in the Lamb, we are part of that temple too, you see. We are, the Lamb consists of all those who are in him. And so that we are there in, we are that temple in the New Jerusalem. He is the temple and we are in him, united to him through his human nature and through his blood. So we are the body of Christ, you see. Christ was the prototype temple, the, the chief cornerstone. Uh, and now we are now in him as living stones, as part of that temple. And so th we are in that temple. That temple was the lamb and also the Lord God Almighty indwelling the temple in his power and glory. And so all believers in Christ are part of this temple. And, and so the ultimate temple of God is redeemed humanity in union with Christ. And God will dwell in us for all eternity, shining his power and glory. In verse 23 it says, The city has no need of the sun or moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. The, the Lamb, that's us in Christ, is the light of the city. The light shining out of each one of us will illuminate the city. The temple is the light, the source of light. And the glory of God in each one of us will shine and light up the city. Praise God. Verse 24 confirms that. It says, The nations of those who are saved will walk in its light, and the kings of the earth, that's us, will bring their glory and honor into it. So each one of us in the resurrection will receive a measure of the glory of God that will shine through us as we become fully functioning temples of God, radiating out his glory. And we will bring our glory into that new Jerusalem and together as the, as the massive temple of God in Christ, we will be the light source for the city. Praise God. And so it says, verse 25, its gates will not be shut at all by day, and there will be no night there. In other words, it will be eternal day. And so the gates will never be shut because they, they are shut uh, at night normally. And so, and then it says, they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And so the saved of the nations will bring their glory into this temple. And so this is the eternal state. This is God's dream. This is what God is aiming to do, is to bring forth his temple, which is man. And Revelation 22 completes this description of eternity with a vision of, of the river of life and the tree of life. It's, it's, it's as if he's reminding us of that first temple in Eden that through man's sin got, got destroyed. But God is restoring all things. And that first temple of Eden with the river and with the tree of life is going to be restored again. And uh, it has a river flowing out of it and, which, and the tree of life. And God will restore everything that was lost in Eden and he'll bring back a whole lot more. He'll bring everything to perfection and he'll restore what's lost. All the effects of sin will be obliterated and what God intended for man will be restored forever. See, verse 1 it says, He showed me a pure river of the water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and from the Lamb. That's the, from the Holy of Holies. 
In the middle of the street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the health of the nation. And so we have all these pictures of temples, and the amazing revelation in the new covenant is that God now has made us his temples of the living God. First of all, we are compared to a tabernacle, a tent, because in this earthly body, it's a temporary body. And so in a way, we are pitching our tent in this life. But the Bible says that when we are resurrected, we will have an eternal body. That is likened to the temple, Solomon's temple, you know, which is a permanent building. And we are in the tabernacle phase right now, but in the resurrection, we will become the t in a temple phase. We will be in a permanent state of being at the temple of God. And God's dream for man is to live in us. He's accomplished that through Christ's death and resurrection. Through the blood of Jesus, he cleansed us from sin so that the Holy Spirit could come and live inside us. And he's already accomplished that. Even though we live in this tent of a body, we do have the glory of God on the inside of us. And God's plan for us, God's purpose for us, is that we would carry his presence. It's not just that we would be nice people, good people, decent people but that we actually carry the glory of God, the presence of God. And what God wants is not just for that new life to be shut up in our spirit. He wants that life to be released through us as rivers of living water. The, our spirit is, has been changed from darkness to light, but he wants that light to shine out of us. He wants his life to shone, shine, his his healing power to flow through us, his love, joy, peace, goodness to flow through us as rivers of living water. That's what he wants to do. And so this is what this series is, is really going to be about, is how can we have that life flow through us, released through us, because there are keys, because we're not just a spirit. God has saved our spirit. He lives in our spirit, but we are also have a soul and we live in a body. The temples were of three parts, and so we are of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. We've got to learn how to release the life of the spirit through our soul, through our body, to a thirsty world. You are a temple of the living God. Know that, and start living in the reality of it. If you want some in-depth teaching on the release of the spirit, how to release the power of the Spirit in your life. We have exactly what you need. There are three CD series here, each with eight CDs. Release of the Spirit 1, Release of the Spirit 2, and Release of the Spirit 3. And there's a special offer if you get two or three of these series. Let me encourage you that this is such an important area that we understand the dynamics of the Spirit in our life. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 
01865 515 086.